be in the book of Judges, the book of Judges chapter 13. We've been preaching on Sunday evening uh, different messages on the family, and by doing that we've been teaching, uh, preaching through uh, different uh, couples of the Bible and looking at their life, their family situation, and um, <clears throat> looking at some principles that we can learn from. And tonight we're going to look at another couple in the Bible, and uh, Judges chapter 13, a man named Manoah. And we don't know the name of his wife, and uh, but Mrs. Manoah, anybody know whose parents uh, this was to? Anybody know who their son was? Come on, man, that was weak. Let's try it again. Uh, say it out loud, you ready? Hey, very good. I think Miss Mary Lou told everybody else, and then they said it. Amen. That's good. That's right. Manoah and his wife, Mrs. Manoah, are the parents of Samson. So let's look here tonight. If you find your place, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. We'll start in Judges chapter 13. We'll read a couple verses down through this chapter. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Man, you talk about a merry-go-round they were on. Man, I can't believe God didn't just knew and kind of, I'm glad he didn't because that's kind of our story, right? And uh, the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them to the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house amongst your people. Now, Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us tonight through your word. Lord, the entrance of your word bringeth forth light. And Lord, I pray you to open our eyes through it. We love you and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. But Noah and his wife. And I tell you, folks, the story of Samson is one of those very interesting Bible stories. It is a roller coaster of obedience. It's a roller coaster of disobedience. Uh, it's a roller coaster of victory and and uh, and defeat as well. Very interesting story. And uh, we will be talking some about Samson tonight, but more about his parents. And uh, because uh, there's there's several things I believe we can learn from them. First of all, the first thing I want you to notice is their condition. Their condition. And we see that in the verse we read in verse 2 when it says that his wife was barren and bare not. And, uh, you know, uh, there's some people in life uh, that God has, uh, for, some, uh, for some reason, uh, not allowed to have children. And uh, you know what? Maybe it's uh, some people you know. Maybe you've experienced that. Uh, maybe uh, there's. Uh, I know. I knew a couple that, uh, in fact, uh, they uh, were my youth leaders for a time when I was a teenager up at Blessed Hope. Uh, Brother Jack and Sister Penny Gordon, and just phenomenal people. And uh, but uh, I remember uh, they couldn't have children, and so uh, they adopted a daughter. And then after they adopted the daughter, they had three children. And it's amazing how sometimes that works, right? Uh, people who they say they can't they adopt, then they have children. And uh, we know though those things uh, are are the Lord's business. Amen? Uh, kind of like another story we read about in the book of 1 Samuel uh, about a uh, uh, some parents, Elkanah and uh, her his wife, Hannah. And Hannah was barren as well. And uh, they went and they prayed. She went to, uh, of course, the temple where Eli was the priest and prayed. And uh, God, uh, she told the Lord that if she would give him, a, if, if he would give her a son, that she would give him back to God. And of course, that 
that son's name was Samuel, become the great prophet of the nation of Israel. But what we see here is the condition of this couple. And you know what you find out in life, folks, is that sometimes as you go through life, and, and whether it is barrenness or whether it's something else, you know what you're going to face as a married couple? You're going to face conditions, okay? Things in life that happen. Things in life that come up. Things in life that you just scratch your head and you wonder, why is this happening to me? And, uh, you know, there's just some things like that that happen in life. And, uh, you know, folks, uh, uh, that's why it's important as, as, as Christians, and particularly as Christian couples, uh, to trust the Lord in this. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. Whether we understand it or not, throughout the conditions of life, God is working how He always works. He's accomplishing things. He's doing things. And you know what? We can't always see it. Amen? In fact, the old saying, you know, I say it often, is sometimes you can't see the forest from the trees. We get so fixated on what's right in front of us with the, with the problems, with the conditions that uh, life brings us, that we stop to think, and maybe we, uh, instead of having faith, uh, we have fear. Instead of praying, we worry. And, you know, for some reason, we think that, you know, for, uh, for, 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 for amount of time when it comes to our life, that maybe God has lost control of things. Let me just say this, folks. God has ever, nor will He ever lose control of anything. Amen? God knows what He's doing. And you know what? If you are as a Christian are trying to follow the Lord and trying to do right, and you face these certain conditions in life, listen to me, folks. God's trying to accomplish something. And I don't always understand it. I'll never understand things certain, uh, the way they are. But you know what? God's not obligated to explain Himself to me. Nor is He obligated to explain Himself to you. Amen. He is God. Let's let's never forget that. Amen. He's God, and uh, uh, God is uh, uh, He's good. He's always good, and God's all knowing. God's always working, and so we see the condition here that this couple faced. Now you know what God obviously allowed that for a reason because He was going to use this couple to accomplish some things. All right. The next thing we see is not just their condition, but we see their command. Look, if you will, in verse four. Says this, now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and ne- eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, you may say to yourself, why would God have to remind some of his people not to drink wine, strong drink, or eat any unclean thing? Hello, have you read the book of Judges? Okay? It seems like, as Christians, and I don't know why we do this, okay? But it seems like the things that God says not to do, we do. And the God, the things God says that He wants us to do, we don't do. Okay? And I'll just say this, folks, listen to me, alright? We just sang a song about the Bible, and all those, by the way, that, that, that song was packed full of wonderful truth, amen? That's why I like the old hymns, by the way, okay? There's substance to them, amen? We're not into this, you know, cotton candy, happy clappy, 7-Eleven uh, contemporary music around here, amen? That's not what we're about, you know, the seven words sung 11 times, okay? We don't do that around. You know, tell you something, there's, there's meaning to that stuff. And you know what we just sang about the Bible, how it's God's Word, how we trust in it, how we live in it, all right, amen? Listen to me, folks. God has a right to command us how to live. 
I should have heard a lot more amens out of that one. Let's try that again. God has a right to command us how to live. That's right. Amen. Because He's God and we're His children. And this command here to Manoah and his wife, all right, some of this stuff should have been just no-brainers because they were God's people. Okay, but there's a reason particularly God reiterated this to them is because of Samson who is going to have the Nazarite vow upon his life. Let me just stop and say this for a minute because sometimes there's confusion about this. Okay, uh, Jesus, uh, all right, he was from Nazareth. Okay, Jesus did not take a Nazarite vow. Okay. He was from Nazareth. Amen. There's a difference there, and we need to understand the difference, okay? And we know that's true because unlike what a lot of the, 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 the this worldly picturation of Jesus, okay, Jesus was not this long-haired Femi homeboy, okay? That wasn't our Savior, amen? And we know that's not true because Jesus turned the water into wine. He drank the uh, grape juice with His disciples there at the Last Supper. And one of the things that a Nazarite could not do was touch or eat grapes, okay? So Jesus was not a Nazarite. He didn't take a Nazarite vow, but He was from Nazareth, all right? Now, sometimes there's confusion on that. and Some people teach that Jesus had the Nazarite vow upon His life. I wish people would actually read the Scripture, and as I said Thursday night, write divide what the Bible has to say. Amen? And if we as just Christians would do that, if we get serious about that thing about studying to show ourselves approved unto God, by the way, I understand that command is to the preacher, but it's also to every Christian. Amen? Amen. And we need to study the Word of God, know what it says, so we don't get confused or we don't get thrown off by all this fangled false doctrine that's out there today. But the command here was for them not to do these things because Samson was going to have the Nazarite vow upon his life. And by the way, that was a particular vow. The book, I believe it's the book of Numbers, goes into detail. And for sake of time, we're not going to go there tonight, but about the specifics of that Nazarite vow and the things. It was a, a particular vow that a person would take upon. And by the way, it was kind of stringent living. There were certain things they could not do, but it was for a specific purpose upon their life. And that's why Samson had long hair in the Bible, because that was part of the Nazarite vow. And he took that, and uh, he was, um, of course, we know the story about Samson, uh, his long hair, uh, it wasn't really the secret to his power because there wasn't really a secret to it. It was God's power upon his life. But that hair represented obedience to God. And when, he, when that hair got cut, that signified he disobeyed God. That's why he lost his power. Let me just say this, folks. As Christians, all right, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go on us like it used to happen in the Old Testament. You know why? Because since we're saved and since we're part of the, the church and after Jesus' resurrection, particularly after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go anymore. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen? Hey, He's the holy resident that lives in our life. By the way, he's the resident that ought to be the president. Amen? Right? And he lives in this all the time. But I will say this. Frank and I were talking about this yesterday when we were out visiting. But you know what? There's things we can do as Christians where we can grieve and we can quench the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this. You mess with your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you know what you're messing with? You're messing with your power source. Because the Holy Spirit of God is the power source for the Christian. Amen? So it's what the Bible clearly teaches. And the Holy Spirit wants to uh, uh, fill us with His power. Why? So we can go around and, you know, act like Simon the sorcerer did in the book of Acts and, and want to uh, impress people with supernatural power? Of course not. 
Let me tell you, the main reason for the power of the Holy Spirit is so, as it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, ye shall be witnesses. Amen? Right? So we can go out and we can get the gospel out. I don't know about y'all folks, but in the flesh, I'm a lousy witness. I'll just be honest with you, I am. My flesh doesn't want to talk to people about the Lord. Isn't that amazing, by the way? We can talk to people about anything else under the sun. I have no problem talking about deer hunting. I have no problem talking about uh, uh, golf and shooting and ATVs and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the Lord all of a sudden, what is it about us that as Christians want to clam up and we don't want to open our mouth? That's called the flesh, amen? And you know how we get beyond that? Very simple, the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, just like Samson, when he disobeyed, he lost his power. When we disobey and we're not walking in the Lord the way we ought to, and we damage that relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying you lose the Holy Spirit, but you can grieve Him, you can quench Him, and guess what? No more power until you get that fixed. Amen? I don't know about you folks, but I don't want to live a powerless Christian life. I don't want to live that way. Listen, you only got, okay, the, the worldly philosophy, YOLO, you only live once. And they use that philosophy to justify living a life of debauchery because that's the only life they got. By the way, as a Christian, I believe in that too. Except, you know what? Instead of using that as an excuse to live how I want, because I only have one life, I want to live it for eternity. Amen? And impact as many people as I can on my little vapor of a life I have to walk on this earth. Amen? How are you going to do it to the most effective? Have power. That's how. Have power. And that power comes to the Holy Spirit of God. And so we see here that it was very important for Samson's parents here uh, to obey the command so that their child then could be brought into the world the way God would have for him to so that he could accomplish what God wanted for him to accomplish. Amen? And you know what? They did that. They obeyed the command. Wouldn't that just be a novel concept for we as Christians? When the Bible says to do something, we just do it. Right? We don't, we don't make excuses. We don't try to justify it. We simply do what the Bible says. Amen? So we see that. We see their condition. We see their command. Now look at verse 8. We see their call. Their call. Look what it says here. Let's, let's go on down a little bit. It says this, Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst sin come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Verse 9, And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Now, I like Manoah's spirit here in Judges 13.8. He was so eager to do things right and to raise his son the way God wanted to. Amen? And you know what? He wanted to make sure he did it the right way. Amen? And let me just challenge us as dads here for a minute. Uh, dads, when's the last time we called on God and got direction about raising our children? Amen? By the way, you're not going to get the right direction about raising your children by reading Dr. Phil's latest book, I can tell you that. Okay? Back in the day, some of you remember this, it was Dr. Spock, okay? Y'all remember that? And not the one that was live long and prosper, okay? Not that Dr. Spock. Some of you don't get that unless you're tricky, all right? No, I'm talking about the, uh, there you go, whoop, 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 okay. I'm talking about, you know, the Dr. Spock who started propagating a lie that spanking your children was child abuse and all that other garbage that came about in, I want to say, the 50s and 60s, okay. I may be off on that because I wasn't alive back then, but from what I heard, all right. So in our day, it ain't Dr. Spock, all right, it's Mr. Humanistic Dr. Phil, okay, all right, and all these other supposed doctors of the... Listen, you're not going to learn how to raise your kids right by listening to that stuff. 
Amen? All right, I can tell you that kind of stuff don't have the answer. But aren't you glad that there is a place we can go to that gives us the answer, that gives us the source? Amen? Look what we see in verse 12. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? How shall we do unto him? Again, you know what he's doing here? He's seeking the the direction of the fact that he wants God's way when it comes to raising his child. And you know, in Titus chapter 2, the Bible talks about how that the aged men are to teach the younger men and the aged women are to teach the younger women. Amen? By the way, that's the, the biblical mandate. That's how it's supposed to work. And by the way, we follow that biblical mandate here at this church. Amen? And uh, part of that is why we have our Bible studies uh, on, on the Tuesday, the, the, the third and the fourth Tuesday of the month. It's so that uh, as men, we can get together and talk about things that men need to talk about. Ladies, so you can get together and talk about and learn things that ladies need to talk about. That's the biblical pattern. Amen? Surprise, surprise. Following a biblical pattern on doing something. Amen? Now listen, folks, I know there's other ways to do that, but let's not, let's not miss that biblical pattern. And so we see here that they were called to raise Samson a certain way. And by the way, you know what? They, uh, uh, they, they did that to their, to, to their ability. They did that to, uh, what God wanted them to do. Now, the next thing we see is very interesting, is their calm. Now I'm gonna say there, alright, but what I really mean is, her calm, Mrs. Manoah's calm. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here, all right? Let's look here. Let's uh, go on down to Judges chapter 13. Pretty interesting here, all right? But the angel of the Lord, verse 21 actually. Uh, well, actually, let's back it up a little bit, all right? Verse verse 19. So the angel of the Lord came back to them is what was going on, all right? And uh, they were going to go and prepare an offering, verse 19. So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it up on a rock unto the Lord. And by the way, that kid is a kid of the flock, amen. Don't get in, don't get nervous about that, all right? And, uh, I know sometimes you, you want to, as parents, right? Offer the kid. That's not what it's talking about, all right? And the angel, notice this, did wondrously, and Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass, when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their face to the ground. Let me tell you something right now. You've experienced something like that, you'd be freaking too. Amen? All right? And that kind of gives us an insight into uh, uh, the, 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 the invisible creation and how that the invisible creation of God is not limited to the physical limitations we have on this, on this earth. Amen? And by the way, one of these days, we're going to be part of that next creation. All right? And uh, that, that world God has waiting on us uh, once we uh, leave this earth and get to the next life. And all about y'all folks, but I like life, but I'm really looking forward to that life. Amen? I don't know if God's going to allow me to ascend up into fire or not, but that'd be really cool if He could. Amen? But that's what the angel of the Lord did. All right? Now, notice here, very interesting, because here's what it says. It says this in verse uh, 21. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. All right? That must have been his realization. If this wasn't just some regular man of God, this was an angel of the Lord here. Okay? Now look at verse 22. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. All right, now, guys, I know this is kind of a slide on us, but basically here's what happened. Manoah had a little bit of a meltdown here, okay? All right, he had a little bit of a meltdown. He started saying some, honestly, some irrational things. 
Okay? Oh no! We're going to die because we've seen the angel of God. We've seen God. He's going to kill us. Look what he's... Verse 22. I'm sorry, yeah. Verse 22. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 23. But his wife said unto him, If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering in our hands, neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would, as at this time, have told us such things as these. You know what that's called? A calming, reasonable voice. And by the way, you know who that came from? That came from a spiritual lady. Amen? And ladies, listen to me, alright? I don't want you ever to think for one second that, you know, because of the way, the order God created things, that men are up here and women are down here. Alright? That is not what the Bible teaches. Now, the Bible does have a pattern for the home. Amen? And you know what? The Bible says it. I'm not afraid to preach it. That the husband is the head of the home and the wife is under subjection to her husband. That's what the Bible teaches, okay? That's not some new, you know, fangled, you know, oh, just some old-fashioned thing we pull out of our hat. That's what the Bible teaches. But I will say this, ladies, let me tell you something. You are so, so important to your home. Here was Manoah, all right? Honestly, acting irrationally, responding emotionally to something that, truth be told, his wife had a better sense about than he did. Amen? And even though I, I'm calling this point their calm, it was really her calm. And you know what? She understood something. She says, now wait a minute. Wait a minute, honey. Alright? That's in the Hebrew, okay? Wait a minute, honey. Alright? God ain't going to kill us. He just came and promised us this child. He just accepted our offering. Listen, God's just not going to kill us. God's going to use us. And very calming, reassuring to her husband. Now ladies, let me just say this to you, Okay? Whether you realize it or not, okay, you set the tone for how the spirit of your home is going to be. Okay, there's a reason people say this saying, all right, and I'm not necessarily saying I agree. My wife's not even here tonight, okay? So I could say it if I wanted to, all right? You know, but the old saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, okay? Happy wife, happy life, all right? We've all heard those different things, okay? And I understand, you know, kind of the joke behind it. But you know what, truth be told, it's kind of true, Ladies, you set the tone for your home. Okay? And that, by the way, why do you think sometimes the devil, man, there's a lot of scripture on this too. Again, for sake of time, we're not going to go there. Why do you think the devil sometimes works, if he can't take you out as the husband, he's definitely going to try to come in the side door, the back door, and get the wife. Because he understands something. Okay? We men, because we're one flesh with our wives, alright, and we're interconnected with them, that um, uh, if something's going on with the wife, it's going to affect us. And by the way, that's just the way it is. Okay? And I'll just say this, ladies. Uh, be that calming effect in your home. Okay? Be that. Amen? Be that, that, that reassuring voice to your husband. I mean, listen. We as men, okay? All right. Reality check, okay? Re- ready for this, ladies? We're not going to get it right all the time. I know you would never think that, by the way. Especially how we talk, all right? All right. I know you would never think that. Listen, we as men make mistakes. There, there you go. I said it, okay? And daggone it, it's on video. I can't recant it, amen? All right? We make mistakes. We're not always going to get it right, okay? And there's going to be times where we blow it, okay? And you know what we need? We need you to be there to help us and reassure us and set that calming tone for us. And by the way, even if we do blow it, don't sit there and, you know, start, 
griping and nagging and, and call us things that later on you'll have to regret and apologize for. Okay? Now, come on, I'm serious here. Just be that reassuring calm for your family. And you know what? Mrs. Manoah was. And there's no uh, doubt because of that, uh, they were able then to uh, have Samson. And I know Samson gets a bad light. Okay, and Samson did have some things in his life, but I'll just say this, I believe based upon the scriptural text, his parents did their best to raise him for God. Okay, and I'll show you something else about that in a minute, alright? So we see their calm. The next thing we see is their concern. Alright, flip over to Judges chapter 14, which is just should be right there where you're at. Judges chapter 14, alright? And we see here that from the birth of Samson until Samson when he became a man, more than likely... Um, Well, let's look here at verse uh, 25 of uh, chapter 13. The Spirit of the Lord began to move him, talking about Samson at times, in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Estol. All right? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how old Samson was. He was probably somewhere around 20 years of age, okay, when he began to, uh, uh, God began to use him. Later on, we find out he judged Israel for 20 years. Okay, so somewhere between 20 and 30 years of age is when God began to using Samson in his life. So his parents, there's not any detail about how they brought him up other than the fact that, you know what, they brought him up because we know when he come of age, the God's Spirit was upon him. That meant this, he kept his Nazarite vow all through his growing up years. By the way, you know how he had to, you know where he had to learn how to do that? Mom and daddy had to teach him. By the way, I'm sure there were some times where he didn't understand the fact that he couldn't be like the other kids and eat grapes or drink, or drink uh, fruit of the vine. I'm sure there was times he didn't understand it. I'm sure there were other times where, you know, he couldn't understand why he went, if, if he went to a family funeral, he couldn't get anywhere near something that was dead and touch it. Maybe there were times he couldn't quite understand. Maybe he didn't quite understand why, as a young boy, that his hair had to grow long. And, and no doubt, maybe he got made fun of because of, uh, of the way God wanted for him to live. Maybe he didn't understand that. But you know what? He had parents that even though maybe, and it doesn't say this, I'm reading into it a little bit, maybe if he wanted to cop an attitude with them, they didn't put up with the attitude and say, listen, Samson, shut your mouth. This is what God wants you to do. We're going to do it God's way. Amen. Apparently... He was raised to come to understand it because eventually he got to the point where the Spirit of God began working in him. Amen? By the way, that's credit to his parents. And again, parents, listen to me. It's our job to raise our kids for God. For God. We're not raising them for ourselves. I know I say that a lot, okay? but we need to hear that a lot. Amen? We're not raising them for us. We're raising them for God. All right. Some parents want to try and relive their childhood through their kids. They do. Now, I mean, they literally, you know, if, if they did something great, you know, when they were a teenager, they want to try to make sure their kids do something great in that area. And I'm not saying necessarily some of that stuff's sinful, but you got to be careful with that stuff because, listen to me, we're, we're not trying to raise them in the exact image of who we are. We're trying to raise them for the Lord. Amen? And let me tell you what that is. It's what the Bible says. Amen? Raising them for God's work. And so, obviously, they had taught those things to Samson. Now, here's where I was going. Look at verse 1 of chapter 14. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughter of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughter of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. All right, now you know what we're starting to see here? We're starting to see Samson's weakness come out. 
All right? By the way, is it new? Is it, listen, Satan didn't have to pull out a brand new trick out of his hat to get Samson. All he did was, was get him with what so many different men in life have been deceived by and tricked by. I read it this morning in Proverbs chapter 2. You read it in Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 7. Those books are written from Solomon to his son not to be deceived by the strange woman. Okay? And you know what? It didn't take much. Oh, it took a little eye batting. Okay, no doubt this girl he looked at was probably very beautiful to look, uh, look to. And no doubt Samson's parents had a concern about the appetite of their son. By the way, they raised him as that Nazarite. They raised him in the ways of God. And you know what? Uh, we see here that, listen, Samson didn't say, get her for me, all right, uh, because uh, she's a godly woman. That, that wasn't the motivation there. Okay, uh, you know, Samson didn't say, uh, well, you know what, I think she's going to help me in my endeavor for God. No, what was Samson's motivation? Look at verse 3. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistine? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. You know what Samson was saying? Said, man, she's beautiful. That's who I want. And you know what? He was only looking at one thing. And by the way, now I understand what the next verse says. Let's just read it. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now, if you read that verse, you may think, well, wait a minute. Why were his parents freaking out? It was God's will for him to do this. Okay, read the context of the Scripture and understand it was not God's will for Samson to hook up with an uncircumcised Philistine. Now what that verse is teaching us is that God sometimes, yes, through our bad decisions, His will will ultimately be accomplished. But I tell you, we know that's not true because Samson's life from this point on was a downward spiral. Okay? Because of this appetite he had for the wrong women and this, and, and this lustful desire he had for things. And his parents tried to say to them, Samson, no. Okay, there's something better for you. You say, well, well, Samson did okay. I mean, he, he, he did this feat. He did that feat. Let me tell you something right now. Anybody want their life to, your kid's life to end how Samson's life ended? Oh yeah, he may have killed a bunch of Philistines. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I don't believe Samson accomplished his will, for, or God's will for his life. He never reached his full potential. By the way, think about this. Think about the unique gift God blessed Samson with. Now, there's other people in the Bible that God blessed with unique strength at different times, okay? Like David's mighty men. Okay, you don't tell me what David's mighty men accomplished, even what David accomplished, the feats in his life he accomplished, wasn't because God gave him supernatural physical strength to do that. But nobody had it the way Samson had it, okay? Samson literally was a modern-day superhero, okay? Was invincible as long as his hair wasn't cut and he was obedient to God, had literal superhuman strength, could do unbelievable, phenomenal things. Let me tell you something. God's will for Samson's life was to totally annihilate the Philistines. That was God's will for his life. But you know what? He never accomplished it because he wouldn't listen to the concerns of his parents. Two things I want to say about that. Number one, parents, if you got some concerns about the way your kids are living, I'm talking about while you're raising them. Because by the way, once they move out of your house, you know what they're going to do, what they're going to do. And you lose your opportunity of influence then. 
For the most part. You might still have some, but by that time, they've done been raised. I'm talking about when they're living under your roof and you're their parents, if you've got some concerns, you better voice those concerns. Amen? You better voice them to God. And by the way, talk to your kids. Let me tell you what parents aren't doing nowadays. They ain't having a conversation with their kids about the important things. By the way, they're learning about it somewhere. And I'm not just talking about the birds and the bees. I'm talking about other important things they need to know in life. Amen? And uh, let me tell you something. That, that you may, as you're right, listen, you, you, your kids aren't perfect. My kids aren't perfect. Okay? You know what? There's been some late night conversations at the Riser house. There's been some, hey, let's go to your room and close the door. Let's talk about some things. Okay? By the way, that's what we're supposed to do as parents. When you see concerns in your kid's life, address them. Amen? Communicate with them. Listen, just be honest with them. Amen? And then, young people, you listen to me. You're being raised in your parents' house. Your parents come to you with some concerns. Listen to what they have to say. Amen? Okay, reality check. Alright, I gave some the husband's reality check. I gave some wives some reality check. Alright, kids, ready for your reality check? You don't know everything! Alright, finally got some amens. Alright. From the parents. That's good. No, just kidding. Alright, listen, kids. There's a reason God gave you parents. Okay? Who, by the way, have more life experience than you do. Okay? I mean, you know what? If uh, Let's just say you're here today, and uh, I'll be generous here. Let's say you're a parent that's 32 years old. All right? You and your spouse, that's probably the average age of a lot of our parents in this room. All right? 32 years old. Mom and a dad, both are alive 32 years. Think about this, kids. Come on, some, one, of you, one of you smart math whizzes, do the math for me here, okay? If your parents have both been alive for 32 years, how many years of life experience do they have? 64. Very good, man. You didn't have to take your shoes off to answer that. That's good, okay? <laughs> All right, that's correct. 64 years of life experience, okay? Jesse, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. How many years of life experience you have? 17. Hmm. Okay. How many life experiences, years of life experience you have, Sam? Eleven. Okay. Guess what, kids? All of you kids put together don't have as much life experience as your parents do. So guess who's smarter? Guess who you need to be listening to? Amen. Okay. And so listen to me. Listen, when your parents come to you with a concern, I'm going to tell you what the flesh wants to do. I'm going to tell you what the devil wants you to do. He wants you copping an attitude. He wants you getting that. By the way, parents, don't you allow that wicked attitude. Don't you allow that. Well, they're just teenagers. No, they're not. It's a rebellious attitude. Don't you allow it. Amen? Okay, listen. My kids are living in my house. By the way, none of my kids pay the mortgage. None of my kids uh, pay the light bill. None of my kids buy the groceries. No, they're rich. They buy guns and, and vehicles and dirt bikes and four-wheelers. i got to keep the lights turned on. Amen? As long as I'm paying the bills, guess who they're going to be listening to? Amen? Okay? But, but kids, listen, you're going to grow up. You're not going to live with your parents forever. You're smart to listen to their concerns. And unfortunately, Samson did not. He did not. And this leads me to my last point tonight is this. Man, I wish we didn't have to end with this. But we hear, the last thing is, they're crying. They're crying. Go to Judges chapter 16. Now we know from the context of the verse here that that Manoah is is gone. Okay? So Mrs. Manoah is is still around because the Bible doesn't say she's not. I believe she is. Okay? This, of course, is the tragic end 
to a man who God wanted to do great things with and could not because of his lustful desires. It says this, verse 30, uh, Judges 16. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. By the way, what a sad statement. We think Samson went out in a blaze of glory. I don't think he said that with any type of, let me go out with the Philistines. No, I think he said it hanging his head in shame, eyes gouged out. And he bowed himself with all his might. The house fell upon the lords, upon all the people uh, that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which slew in his life, which, truth be told, is a sad testimony on his part. Sad testimony on his part. God wanted to use his life for so many more greater things than that. Verse 31, Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshchol in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. You don't tell me that there wasn't some tears, there wasn't some weeping, there wasn't some heartache and sorrow by Mrs. Manoah and the rest of the family that had to take care of the mess that Samson made of his life. By the way, you think that was a pleasant experience? Digging his body out of that rubble? By the way, that wasn't some neat, pretty picture. More than likely, they found parts of Samson. But you know what? Because of his bad choices and because of the direction... By the way, because he went and listened to his parents' concerns, guess where his life ended at? And, and, and his parents had to weep the tears because of his choices. The Young people, I'm going to end this with a message to you. Would you take your Bible? Go to Proverbs chapter 19. I'm telling you, the devil is slick at what he does. He is so slick at getting in your mind. I said it this morning, that thing about satanic lies. He gets in your mind. He gets he plants these seeds in your heart and in your mind. And you just think you're right and you know it all. Okay, listen to what the Bible says here. You have no idea what you're doing to your parents if you walk down that path. No idea. Proverbs 19. Verse 26, the Bible says this, listen to these verses. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. Do you hear that, young people? Do you hear what that verse said? Let's read it again. Put your eyes on it. Look at what it says. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. Okay, listen. You don't want to hear your family cries the way Samson's family had to hear their cries because of the choices he made. Okay? What a tragic end to this family. By the way, it started out right. And I believe, again, based upon the scriptural context, I'm not saying Manoah and his wife were perfect, but I believe they did their best to raise Samson right. But somewhere along the way, the devil got in, the devil deceived him, the devil tricked him, and you know what? His life ended in disaster. Amen? And young people, if you think you're the exception to the rule, you're dumber than Samson. Mightier than you have fallen. Mightier than me have fallen. Way mightier than me. I can tell you that because I ain't very mighty. Okay, if Satan's got him, he's tricked him. I don't want that to be the case of the lives of these young people. I don't want, listen, I don't want to have to sit in my office and catch your parents' tears because of the stupid choices you've made. Because you won't listen. Because you're going to do it your way. Well, I'm going to tell you, the Bible's full of people who do it their way and we see how it ends up for them. And if it ended up for them, 
don't you think for one second it won't end up for you. Amen? And so listen, parents, we've got to do everything we can. I mean, we've got to pray. We've got to do make the hard choices. We've got to be there for our kids. Listen to me. We get, look, be there for your children. Amen? Be there for them. Okay? Listen, kids need your attention. They need it. Okay? Brother Kyle, last week, I'm going to brag on him for a minute, all right? Working nights. Gets home. If I worked all night, I'd tell you all as soon as I'd be doing it, I'd be going to bed. But you know what? He took his kiddos to the zoo and spent the day at the zoo with them, got a couple hours of sleep, went back to work and did it all again. And I know he's not the only one. A lot of you men in this room, listen, we're sitting in a room filled with hard workers. And I'm so thankful for that, by the way. Amen? Let me just say this. Hey, take the time for him. Okay? You know why I do some of the stuff I do? You know why I'm gone a little bit from time to time? I know some of you were a little nervous because I was gone a little bit the last couple months, okay? All right? I missed a few services. Listen, I'm apologizing to you for doing things with my family. Okay? I only had them for so long. Okay? I'm getting ready to lose one next, next year at this time. Elias is gone. You go to Bible college. Yeah, you better believe I'm going to take the time to take him to West Virginia and go on an ATV trip. You better believe I'm going to take the time. You better believe I'm taking some time this next year and, and we're going to get away as a family and do some things. I understand there's a balance to it all. I get all that. Okay? I'm not going to neglect you. I'm not going to leave you. All right? But listen, I'm also going to take some time because I only got him for so long. And by the way, you need to do the same as well. Okay? Come on. Listen, parents. Okay? Plan a vacation. Do, look, make good memories with your kids. Have some traditions you do with them. All right. Last uh, December, um, we went down, wanted to see some Christmas lights. So we all piled in the Durango. All right. Caleb was with us then, so we, had, we, we didn't have enough seats. So some of them put the seats down and sat in the back in a pretty uncomfortable way. We drove down to Santa Claus, went to Holiday World to the Camp Rudolph there, and drove through and watched the Christmas lights, opened the sunroof. All right? Okay? It's spitting snow outside. I, my, Alyssa's up on the top of the Durango, sitting through the sunroof. The boys are up there driving through, singing Christmas songs. Okay? It was awesome. Joe back, Joe back did it all out in one, one evening. Amen? And listen, make memories with your family. You only got them for so long. Okay? And so listen to me. With God's help, we can raise good kids. By the way, not because of us, but in spite of us. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you right now. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. I pray to God that my kids will turn out right, but if they do, it's, it's not because of me. It's in spite of the grace of God. Amen? But as a parent, you've got to put in some effort. Okay? Listen, I'm not setting myself up as a perfect example as a parent. I've made m- multiple failures. I know I have. I'm just trying to encourage you tonight. Amen? Listen, you only got one family God's blessed you with. So invest in them, love them, teach them to love God and serve God and put God first. Amen. Remember what I've said, folks. God's number one. Then after Him, okay, is your spouse. Then right underneath that is your children. Keep things in that order. And you know what? You'll raise some good kids. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight.